to whichever one of you vandalized the teacher's lounge bathroom. Custodians say it will be closed until summer. You have robbed me of my only joy. My vengeance will be swift and merciless. And God to rule and guide. Fuck that. Cynthia Rothrock is my guardian angel. An ass kicking, no nonsense cop whose partners just keep getting blown away. <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock is McKay, a veteran cop who's also very excited to show off her wedding ring. Bad idea, Cynthia. You just condemned your man. But before her husband-to-be can eat it, she and her partner have to take down the baddies trying to produce and distribute briefcases full of counterfeit cash. After going undercover and her first partner is killed, she teams up with her fiancé to take down the counterfeit master David and his wackadoo partner Nina. No sooner than you can say, I do, are her man's brains splattered on the sidewalk by Nina. Nina gets thrown in the clink, but before that, McKay beats the living shit out of her on the courtroom steps and then quits the force. Hard cut to six months later, where McKay is living in a Winnebago and berating her therapist slash wiener dog, Flash, about her problems. Nothing wrong here. Well, she's hired by a rich playboy named Hobbs to be his bodyguard because, as things would have it, Nina has escaped from jail and is on the warpath to try to find the counterfeit bill plates which she thinks Hobbs is hiding. Despite the fact that she's a girl, <laughs> McKay blows away a number of baddies as the attempts on Hobbs's life grow and the two inexplicably start roundhouse kicking their way into each other's hearts. <laughs> Sexism, horse chases, crotch fires, and creepy flirting ensue as the ultimate showdown between Nina and McKay draws ever closer. And what about the annoying cop who's always trying to cut her down? Well, he's a bad guy in cahoots with Nina, of course. Featuring more butler than your average action pick, <laughs> Guardian Angel gives us exactly what we want and a lot of stuff we don't. Detective Christine McKay is one of LAPD's fires. Drop it! Now! Don't do it, Chris. I quit. But when her partner is killed, she ends up going into business for herself. I love women. Beautiful, plain, sexy, sleazy, sophisticated. You want protection from a psycho ex-girlfriend? She murdered a man. Déjà vu, Miss Mackey. Casey Regan. I love Cynthia Wap Wap. <laughs> I got a question, Cynthia. Let's turn it over to Jamie Kennedy. What did you think? My fingers are bleeding from trying to keep up with the plot of this movie because it is on cocaine. <laughs> It's not the only thing on cocaine. I took a little before we started. <laughs> That's not true. It's two in the afternoon. <laughs> I, I started hours ago. <laughs> Josh Roth, what do you think of this? 
I am legally changing my last name to Rothrock. Wait, now I'm all jazzed. Greg, you got me jazzed, buddy. <laughs> my heart's going a million miles a minute. This one starts with counterfeit cash, gangs strutting across a public park in broad daylight, and the ice cream truck parked atop the hill overlooking the sea. Right next to Dodger Stadium, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how casually like they're conversing. Like She's showing the wedding ring, and I immediately write down, this woman is going to die, or her husband, because I don't didn't know who Cynthia Rothrock was at this point. <laughs> yeah, Greg, could you give us a little... I'm so ashamed that before watching this movie, I had never heard the name Cynthia Rothrock before. Cynthia Rothrock was, for a long time, kind of the queen of the direct-to-video action movie. I mean, really, she's the queen of action movies in general. Probably the actress who has the most starring roles as any female action star. She started out in Hong Kong. She came over here and made a pretty sizable splash making, you know, this exact type of movie. And she fucking rocks. Like she, she Roth rocks. She Roth rocks. Like she she kicks a shit ton of ass in this movie and like doesn't even compare to like what she did in Hong Kong flicks. Like what? she she rules. She really rules. Even kicks that like are those, you know, flippy behind the like over the head behind the back kicks, which like are hilarious because in real life they would do no damage to anyone. <laughs> like she can sell those even. Or the or the kind of kicks where they've taken away the person she's actually kicking, so you can just see a hero shot of her kicking them and then we cut to the impact. <laughs> she sells those kicks too. I mean, there's a reason why she became as big as she did. And and she was big. I mean, uh the direct-to-video market, while I think being shunned today, sold quite a lot and like did become a, a known quantity. And she could have been bigger if people had had some faith in the idea that women could star in action movies. What, you're going to trust a woman to lead your action <laughs> movie, Greg? What, do you have no pride? Who else do you want following you around all day? Yeah. Greg, look, I don't mind if women in movies are behind decks pushing pencils, <laughs> all right? But if, do we need them out on the front lines? What also strikes me is that like at this same time or maybe a little after like we're starting to get like the Lucy Lawless era we're seeing female actors kick ass but they're also wearing just like leather bustiers and here she is wearing sweatpants that are a little too baggy with oh, way man. too much drag for her to be running around <laughs> those do denim. not give a lot so much denim of room. so much denim a lot of turtlenecks like, Cynthia Rothrock can fucking Rothrock a pantsuit, baby. Like, <laughs> she's, she's kicking ass in, like, Lane Bryant attire. And that's pretty fucking awesome. And that's representation I can get behind. <laughs> Damn straight. This was athleisure wear before athleisure mm-hmm. wear. I mean, she could have just as easily been sponsored by Eddie Bauer as, you know. <laughs> it is striking how they really, in almost all of these movies, do not, sexualize her as a matter of fact a lot of these movies continuously call out how unsexy she is or how tomboyish she is they seem to need this discussion of why she's so tough and it's like well she's like kind of almost a dude she's just one of the guys you know like she can grab a beer with her it's fine but she even (laughs) talks about how she was always matched with a male lead as a co-star or as like her sidekick and so it's like there was always like with, with like a little asterisk and it's like and just in case there's also an australian guy who also kicks people like, <laughs> yeah we start out with her and her female partner and it's like oh awesome we got a dual team 
And uh, yeah, that doesn't last he long. He was not long for this world. Does her partner? Does her partner have a name? I no. couldn't find nope. it on the IMDb. Get it okay. At all. No. It took me so long to get a handle on like what different characters' names were, mm. at, because most of the people in the first half of the movie were presented to are like just male street toughs with like single syllable first names. So much of this movie is like, who's got the stuff? Yeah. Dave. Like, oh, what? Yeah. No, not the stuff, the paper. Who's got the, who's got the paper? Well, Jimmy says Dave has it. It's like and that's how everyone's on a first name too. basis. Yeah. We honestly didn't hear McKay's name until minute 21. Like I, I, they must have said it in the opening I scene. I don't know I did if not they pick did. It up until like half right. like Yeah, like this scene is literally the two like the rival gangs uh, they walk up to each other and they have a briefcase and they're like, this isn't what we want. Either you're buying or I'm flying. How lawless is L.A. that like that the idea of 15 to 20 dudes in colors with a briefcase strolling through the park on either side? No one else is in the park. Well, well no, you, know, you know that just out of frame there's a bounce castle and like there's a birthday party for like an 11 year old happening. <laughs> like we didn't see that. that <laughs> nothing's stopping that. So yeah, the two gangs meet each other and they, they, they're one in tightly packed groups of 15 to 20 and two, <laughs> a perfect mirror image of each other. It's like that like joke meeting scene in Shaun of the Dead. Like they yes. each have their <laughs> opposite. One side is selling counterfeit $100 bills to the other at uh, 25 cents on the dollar. And the other side, the buyer gang is not happy with that. They want they want a friendship deal. They want that sweet sweet discount, baby. They want it. They want a deal. They want a yeah, yeah a little loyalty. Look, Mr. Bintani has been doing business with your people for a long time, and you never given him one friendly discount. Two things: one, we ain't friends, and two, you want a discount? Go to Kmart. What the hell do you care? Have Jake run the printer an extra five minutes. We're all happy. No exceptions. I like how these gangs are ostensibly filled with struggling L.A. comedians as they all have witty retorts to each other. <laughs> Everyone was working on their type five. <laughs> is it ever explained who the informant is for the police? Because I don't know if there was one. I think well, they're just... listening I, to the. They're listening oh. to the audio that the guy in you know, the you know the boom mic is taking. And I thought they had like a giant microphone shaped like an ice cream cone. That's what I assumed. I wrote down because <laughs> I'm like, be I, I, I asked, is someone wearing a wire? How are they getting the sound quality? But I honestly, d I think they were just doing like CSI, like enhance, enhance. If we point <laughs> the microphone at them, we can hear it. I love how quickly it goes south. So McKay just like runs up to them, fires wildly into the air. Like she's scaring off a herd of buffalo and causes a complete breakdown of society. But she does it after they were already having a standoff. Like, of course, if you run up and shoot your gun into the air, like, they're gonna start shooting each other. It was the shot heard around the world. <laughs> this is the, it's the same way the Revolutionary War started. The minute she inadvertently causes murder... <laughs> She starts the, the war between the Bloods and the Crips. <laughs> it's like a firing pistol to start the movies. <laughs> Blam! In the air. And they just start ventilating each other. The rest of the scene is Cynthia Rothrock runs down, kicks a bunch of ass, then like gets in a gun battle with the buyer side of things, who end up being 
uh, killed. This movie is also so Los Angeles. Like she's wearing like a Dodgers jersey and a no, Dodgers hat. Dodgers hat. Oh. They're like, go. We're, there's a car chase on Figueroa. <laughs> oh, he lives. He lives at Orange in Venice. <laughs> we're treated to a, a like a minute three fight scene shootout and a minute four car jackknife, and then McKay is holding up the Lawyer. buyer, the like head buyer guy, and she says, "Give me one reason I shouldn't kill you right now." It's like, well, because that's You're highly a illegal. <laughs> to Christine, Detective Christine McKay, forgery is an immediate execution offense. Like she, <laughs> she is so quick to kill the bad guys. <laughs> she does not kill this man, though, immediately. He tells her the money is coming from Batania. How, we had to rewind and put on subtitles after watching it three times just to get this name. What happens over the next 15 minutes of this movie is insane to me because it's just they they crash into a location. They kill half the people in the room. They don't kill the one person they came to interrogate. That person gives another name that's usually a pretty like normal based name. And then we crash into the next scene and repeat and repeat and repeat. And like, I felt like I was getting whiplash through all these scenes. Also her hair changes in every single scene that she does it. And my object permanence was not liking it because I had to keep going, is that still her? Is that still her? The scene at uh, Charles Batania's where her and ice fellow ice cream stakeout <laughs> cop uh, go undercover as just like sexy women. Mrs. Frosty. Yeah. 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 Ms. Frosty. Ms. Frosty. Uh, uh, they uh, they go undercover as just like sexy women at this party for the rich, where women are there to be like party favors. And though I will say it is not the most like lascivious rich person party ever in the history no, of cinema. No. Eyes wide shut. It is not. <laughs> it wasn't really a den of vice so much as like a foyer of polite conversation. <laughs> yeah, but she does say like your guests look uh, well taken care of, and then it shows a wide of, and it's like, uh, are they? Then <laughs> you see a great cheese platter, and it's great. Yeah, yeah there's, right. Yeah, there's ten people gathered around a cheese platter. And pretty much it this movie dislikes crudités oh my god this movie goes out of its way to set up squibs underneath crudités just so they can explode them the batania um party ends in a shootout a, a shootout <laughs> charles batania has shot her partner in the head <laughs> has killed her partner she Look, uh, it was a big night for her. By <laughs> <laughs> the end of this night, she loses her female partner, her male partner, and her romantic partner. Just right. in case you're keeping track. But is she, it all the same night? That is like the movie unclear. smash cuts into into oblivion. I I am unsure about <laughs> the right. actual timeline of all of this because like the idea of a dissolve into any scene is unheard of. No, it's literal smash cuts. This movie smash cuts between dialogue. <laughs> I hope it's not the same night because if it is the same night, it implies that after this sexy party where her partner has been shot in the head, she went home and changed first before going after the rest of the bad guys. <laughs> so Batania's not the head of the organization. It's David. You need to find a David. David. Dave, the money counterfeiter who like treats his counterfeiting. Slash artist. 
Uh, yeah, tr- treats his counterfeiting as a as an art. Like all of these are great characters with just like confusing single syllable names. Like there are so many <laughs> movies, there are so many movies with much more boring characters named like the Blade and like Skull, Lucian Daggerface. And yes, <laughs> like it's we have. I want to see a movie with Lucian Daggerface. <laughs> It was confusing, but never boring. I had to pause, though, so many times just to, like, catch, have my notes catch up. I'm not exaggerating, because, like, this movie waited for no one and nothing. And, like, I appreciate it, but I was like, type, 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 type. Oh, God. I also had to, I had to take many breaks to just, to be like, what just happened? <laughs> just for myself, because I didn't pause it. And now I'm realizing that I'm totally, until our the true antagonist of the movie is revealed, I'm now forgetting like so much of this movie. I'm remembering it, but out of sequence. Well, no, this is when, this is when, so they say you have to go find David. They don't actually know where to find David just yet. So we're going to, there's going to be a scene where they have to talk to another informant basically to find him. But because they've introduced David, we now cut to a scene with David and his cronies at their like money-making headquarters. And that's where we're introduced to to the batshit crazy Nina. But Tanya says, if anyone's still alive at the warehouse, and then we cut to a Hummer full of pizza delivery guys rolling through the counterfeiter's wall like it's a John Woo movie. And, oh, yeah. I mean, it's mostly just that they, they they burst through the wall, one guy's got a shotgun, one guy has two pistols, and they just light the place up for seemingly no reason other than they have to destroy the evidence so that they won't be indicted, question mark? Who knows? It ultimately doesn't really matter because, like, I mean, this whole movie presents us with a lot of characters, but really it's a movie about Cynthia Rothrock versus Nina and then there's also this sexist guy. Wait, I have to go. I have to go back two seconds. Money, money everywhere. Nina, what do you say we scrape off a few bills off the top, catch us a flight to Rosarita Beach, lose ourselves in a bottle of Quavo gold, and if you're good, I'll let you swallow the worm. And then it also <laughs> had one of my favorite zingers from Nina when Jake was hitting on her, uh, and, and she goes, "In France, we have a term for guys like you, Jake." American. Seinfeld bass slap that starts yeah. immediately after. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I think I think I we've talked a lot about comedy timpani. Yeah. <laughs> but comedy baseline is a pretty good contender. It's <laughs> underrated. I love how this movie's soundtrack vacillates between slap bass, the Good Morning America theme song, <laughs> greasy sax, and pervy guitar solos. <laughs> You can hear the the ponytail coming up from the other end. <laughs> and so that chase and then the next two scenes are the time that we get with uh, uh, Christine and her husband or fiance, uh, another cop on the force. They do unnamed. Th- unnamed. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that they roll up to a, a club. They start interrogating a guy who we uh, assume is the guy who's just been outed, who apparently is a crazy crackhead <laughs> who is having a bad time because he mentions crack and they're like, we didn't mention crack. Did you mention crack? That's why he's like bugging I mean, he out. He's tweaking like crazy. Yeah. He this is, is Wade, uh, Tommy's ex-partner. 
who they confront. Well, Wade starts diming out everyone else in the... He's like, yeah, I got counterfeit 20, so is that guy and that guy and <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Tommy Johnson came in here, and he start, he was selling those to everybody. And then all the guys he dimes out with their guns out, and again, <laughs> Cynthia and her fiancé just, like, kill a shit ton of people. I'm like, these cops are menaces. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that they do that like the, that whole scene is pretty much like a perverted version of It's a Wonderful Life. Like, these these bills are in Bill's house and Timmy's house and Jimmy's wallet. Everyone in this bar has a gun and a crazy straw. This this movie also it, it is never satisfied with simply letting you watch what happens and leave it there. It also has to back it up by then the characters saying what has happened, just in case you are not as Adderalled up yeah. as the movie <laughs> is. Right. You shot me. You, that character, shot me. And now, and now I'm bleeding from the bullet wound, and I will die if I don't get medical help. Please, cops, get me medical help. And it sucks. <laughs> so you know my motivation in this scene. He gives them Tommy Johnson's name. Then we go to Tommy Johnson's apartment. My yes. favorite character in movie history, Christine McKay and her fiance bust into Tommy Johnson's apartment and he's with a babe doing cocaine. And he says, whoa, whoa, there's nothing go illegal going on in here. And she, and he, uh, the fiance cop says, well, what's that? He's like, Ah, it's a little cocaine, but other than that... <laughs> other than that. First, they pick up an Uzi. And the line, they pick up an Uzi, and they and, and, and Christine McKay says, uh, Hey, I forget. Are these things legal? Like, I, I never remember whether these things are legal. And then they immediately find the briefcase full of counterfeit bills, and he goes, They ain't even real. <laughs> I know! Hey, right. since when is well, it illegal to counterfeit bills? So because they have just an orgy of evidence against him. He sells out his friends like that. Oh, so Because cool. then yeah, he's, he's on the phone and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'll give you everything you want. Yeah. I'll give you everything you want. Hey, I got these I got these buyers. They're great. No, they're, they're totally fine. I vouch they're for Definitely them. not cops. No, no. Definitely not yeah, cops. Totally not oh, cops. Oh, no, definitely not cops. And they're standing right over them. And he goes like, hey, I'm glad to help you guys. And he goes in to do a snort of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock knocks it out of his hands. I thought that was... That was such a funny moment. That was such a good bit of comedy. She hits it. We don't even let it. We don't even let the mirror hit the floor, and we are out of that scene. <laughs> and, uh, and we are oh. in a museum that's closing in 10 minutes. Here's your Los Angeles update. This is uh, the Autry Museum of the American West, which is right off the five, um, outside the Wells Fargo Theater. And yeah, it's just a museum dedicated to like motifs of the American West. I did ask, is this the Museum of Guns and Water Buffalo? So I wasn't totally wrong. <laughs> you weren't. You're pretty right. <laughs> Uh, it's just, yeah, mannequins of the Old West, and she's standing in, in front of, like, a wall of guns, just admiring the I various this firearms. Location. I'm so glad they got this location. And David has sent Nina to do this deal with these people, and Nina is suspicious to begin with, and rightfully so, because she overhears Christine McKay and her fiancé basically say, like, hey, this is going to be a great arrest. We're cops, remember? All right, let's go do it. <laughs> Can't wait to marry you, my cop. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> and like the first handoff, this goes down so fast. And she, poorly. She opens the briefcase, shows them the money, and then 
immediately, uh, fiance cop shows her his badge, just like, all right, and then shoot out. It's just wild that these cops would set up a deal like this happening in a public museum before it closes. <laughs> That they would choose the Hall of Arms from Demolition Man to do it in. <laughs> also, they, like, okay, so if it's 10 minutes before it closes, this museum closes at 11 p.m. <laughs> so Nina just, like, mercilessly and ruthlessly shoots McKay's husband, immediately gets into a stolen cop car, which is now the second stolen cop car <laughs> of the movie, which... Like, I, were cop cars really easy to steal in the 90s? <laughs> like, did, did cops never take their keys out of the ignition ever? Not <laughs> once for any single reason? No. It was a safer time. You could leave your doors unlocked. You could leave your keys in your cop car. No, it was, it's even better than that, guys. She, so uh, Nina seems to get away and they try to chase after her, but she jumps out from behind a pillar and has a gun pulled, like, on the head of... Uh, Christine McKay's fiance and tells Christine McKay to drop her gun or I'll kill your fiance. And then another cop pulls up behind her and is like, get down. And then Chris, and then, and then Nita. The look blow- on Nita's face, like, right. where she's like, well, we're well, doing this. It's going to happen. <laughs> she fucking blows the brains out of the fiance. And then, like, she's fucking Christian Bale in equilibrium, spins around and kills that cop who's gotten out of the. She fucking gun cottas her way into that cop car. It was awesome. I was just like, this is so the the tone of this thing is like I'm I'm having trouble finding purchase on the tone of this thing while I'm enjoying it. Like we are getting uh, indiscriminate death mixed with like hijinks, which frankly is beautiful, perfect. But it was <laughs> actually weird, like like a welcome thing for the t- tone of the movie, at least for at least the coherence of the movie to get. Nina suddenly who is like a cold-blooded villain and I I guess this movie as we go on we can talk a lot about like the gender dynamics in this movie the movie will the movie will (laughs) the fact that all the men in most of the men in this movie are either are uh awful in one way or another either they are ridiculous or they are sexist or they are um bumbling and then we have this like beautiful foil of the female protagonist and antagonist who are like they have so much in common and are like totally at odds and i just was like i was fucking jazzed i was like in that moment i was like nina rules like nina has a project that makes sense to me also like she's not just in this world where she's been taken advantage of all the time she's just like out to fucking get hers her share yeah yeah and and she fulfills the prophecy from the beginning of the movie when uh mckay goes i never thought i'd marry a cop and guess what honey you won't (laughs) you ain't you ain't (laughs) So, so what's what is funny though is that so many movies take such pains to motivate their like male antagonists as like they're like they're really evil, but here's the reason why. And this movie kind of does that, and then throws it away. Is like yeah, but all of that stuff does not matter. She is evil because women uh, can just be evil. Yeah, like, yeah in a it's way the 90s. that is, women can be evil if they want to. Or just right. like, but like, 
But it's just funny how it's like like every every other movie kind of like this. Like really is like it's like you know if you're an evil man, it's because of money. Like it, like it's power. It's all this stuff. She just wants to murder people. They they, <laughs> yep. they 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 like allude to it and they like give this whole insane scene about it. But at the end of that scene. All that we really and truly learn is that she's just a fucking psycho. If anything, the movie and the lesser, the baser male characters, they seem to put it like uh, misdirect us into thinking she's going to be this sort of black widow character this sort of like femme fatale using her sexuality and she doesn't really use her sexuality no. she just fucking <laughs> she uses her guns yeah she uses her guns she uses her just like ability and like and her um, ability to find people who have helicopters and also just want to kill indiscriminately to be on her team basically what, <laughs> again what la she, in the 90s yeah. she she's much like the joker or any good batman villain like she amasses a group of flunkies and henchmen who have like just blindly follow her lead of chaos and just will gladly throw themselves at the feet of her and in the bullets of uh, her enemies. So Nina drives the cop car to a art studio oh, yes. <laughs> where she walks up and we see David from before, our artiste. You set me up. What? We had a partnership. And you saw me out. Nina! Get your hands off! Yeah, Nina has been arrested. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Why would we wait camera. around for any filler? This movie has no filler. It's just. <laughs> Why would we wait to... around for the justice system? This movie cares yeah. not for that. Yeah. And this is where we get the, like, I think, real moment of the. Batman Joker uh, dynamic or uh, Silence of the Gams. <laughs> I mean, uh, she she does like a vil- she villain monologues at uh, Christine, who has come to you know look her in the eyes and ask her why did you kill it? Why did you kill my fiance? And she says, well, the an- "Yeah, oh, that's a good question. I guess because I wanted to." And <laughs> that's badass. <laughs> following will be a presentation of Video High in the Black Box. I think you killed him for the same reason you killed everybody else. Because you couldn't kill the one man you wanted to. Your father's already dead. I see you have done a little research on me, Miss McKay. God, you're so smart. Yes, my father beat me, he abused me, and now I'm dispensing my rage on every man that crosses me. Your father beat you because you killed your mother. It's a lie, and you know it. She died giving birth to me. I didn't kill my mother. Well, your father seemed to think so. Yes, he did. He died before I was old enough to realize he was wrong. You're a pathetic little woman, Nina. So you're here to tell me I'm pathetic? No, I'm here to tell you that you're damn lucky that these bars are between us. (laughs) Josh, you got me thinking about something, because this 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 scene really gave me everything. This scene was just, it, it like sets these two characters up. The protagonist and the antagonist is like such amazing foils of each other on different sides of the law, literally on different sides of bars, literally like both uh, have been uh, misused by the world in similar ways, one at the hands of the other. And it is funny, Josh, that you said they're like Joker and Batman. And I understand that's mostly coming from like a, 
you know, it's great to see like two a villain and hero square off like this. But is this movie not the best Batman movie? If Ooh. if you go by the premise that Batman and Bruce Wayne are two different people, because <gasps> Lawton Hobbs, Lawton oh, wow. Hobbs is essentially Bruce Wayne without Batman. He's got a butler. He's got a butler. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's a billionaire playboy. I mean, his parents died. Right, he's a billionaire playboy whose parents died young. He has been romantically involved with the bad guy. These climax scenes or these like heavy action set pieces in this movie all have to do with like speedboats and helicopters. Shape that shit like bats. We got like a Batman movie here, people. <laughs> oh my god! We the only do. the only counter argument I'll give is McKay kills way too many yes. people to be Batman. Yes, McKay is the gun toting equivalent of. It's Batman. the Zack Snyder Batman. Nina goes to prison. When she's convicted, uh, Christine McKay attacks her on the steps of the courthouse. Bitch, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was some Springer shit there, like, and so uh, the chief. Dressed as uh, Robin Thicke from the VMA Awards, <laughs> uh, tells tells Christine McKay that she has to take some time off. She can't she to to take some time off. And then there's the, the great force. zinger from sexist cop. Maybe it's better this way. Maybe we won't lose any more cops, which is harsh but fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's lost two partners in rapid succession. Yes. yes. Sexist cop is a jerk throughout this whole thing, but it, you take away the fact that he that he just hates women, seemingly. Chrissy McKay is responsible for a lot of death in this movie. <laughs> there are a lot Most of people of dead who wouldn't be. And this is when we get the title card six months later so six months later mckay's living in a trailer but not a real trailer she's for sure living in a star wagon that was already used for this set. <laughs> and she is proving nina right her life has gone down the tubes and she is spending a large amount of time talking to herself but she has the one thing nina does not have which is a little puppy <laughs> a little, little puppy little puppy named flash the wiener dog who she, we see only in the scenes where she's talking to it. And <laughs> where in the Winnebago. does and then he she, go? And then, and then apparently just leaves the dog in there for days, weeks on end. Weeks. <laughs> then Nina breaks out of Arkham Asylum. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, which is by, because what we see is a guard looking into, the, into empty cells uh, to the hooting and hollering of other prisoners. And by that Foley art, this is a co-ed prison this is one of those because <laughs> there are male voices yelling there are female voices it's it's arkham asylum and nina has nina seems to have broken out of her cell and then just like takes down guards one by one bashes one with a lead pipe takes a, a gun from two of them starts like smashes one with a chair wwe style right a kimbo gun starts just like blasting her way out of the prison until yep. she gets to the roof. The open mesh roof, which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor planning, poor planning. 
I, I mean, not I, just don't, I just don't actually understand. Well, also, not rainproof. <laughs> like, not weatherproof. I don't understand. Oh, it's LA. We, we don't have weather yeah. here. Yeah, it's just like the schools that have open hallways. These are prisons with open ceilings. What's funny about this movie is a lot of action movies speed up fight scenes. The, this movie speeds up dialogue scenes. Like, <laughs> so you're out of prison. Yeah. Okay. Well, where are you? Like, what do you need? I need my money. Uh, your money's gone. Okay, die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Now we are at the Brentwood compound of Loughton Hobbs, who has called her there to be his bodyguard, where we get my favorite runner in the whole movie. She's looking for Loughton throughout this party. There's like a big, big pool party going on, and she keeps asking where she can find him, and everyone goes... Oh, are you the plumber? Yeah, he's over there. We really need a plumber because she has like a high ponytail and dressed in full denim. And it's like such a great burn and a great runner. Well, there's there's two elements of that. One of which is I, I do feel like they really went out of their way to like, again, push Cynthia Rothrock as like this tomboy and how sort of strange that is and i was like they really hate plumbers in this movie <laughs> but also like I, I took a moment to really think about it where it's like she is wearing a jacket long pants and everyone else is in bikinis it is 85 to 90 degrees out yes. it is not ridiculous to look at what she's wearing and be like the only reason that you'd be dressed like this is because you professionally have to because this would be drastically uncomfortable <laughs> The other thing is that everyone in this house knows that this cabana toilet has been clogged and they're waiting on the plumber. What happened to that toilet? What is this softball turd that is sitting lodged within the pipes of this cabana toilet? The one party guest who is not claiming it, too. Who's like... See, I I looked at that scene another way, which is we're at this party of billionaire playboy Lawton Hobbs, and yeah, there are seemingly just 500 bikini-clad women there. It wasn't like another blonde woman showed up and they're like, hey, what are you getting a bikini? You know, like there's the more sexist <laughs> joke that could have happened here. Yeah. But and they make those too. <laughs> yeah, those, those are coming. But it, like, very soon. The fact that everyone thought she was the plumber felt a little turned on its head. And that was furthered by the fact that everyone was very nonchalantly talking about this huge dump that has ruined the party. <laughs> like, like these, these women are sexy bikini women. They also shit, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> women do poop. They can be plumbers. They shit. Women can do everything. In what can't they do? It's, it's the 90s. 90s. It was it's the 90s. 90s. So that so so she makes her way through the party and she meets Lawton Hobbs, who is engaged in a rousing ping pong ga- game, to which he explains his current predicament, which is in being in need of a bodyguard. Uh, he has to. He feels the need to tell her that he is a connoisseur of women, and then he begins listing all. types of women like he's Bubba from Forrest Gump: <laughs> bikini women, plumber women, fried women. Fried women, boiled women, jambalaya women. And he's he's so insistent on her joining him in ping pong that he says, nonsense, everybody plays ping pong. And it's great because he, he very nonchalantly drops the fact that he wants specifically her, a woman, to be his bodyguard. Because, uh, well, maybe the person that's going to kill him is the person that killed her husband. Whoops. And he's completely aware how of did, this. How did you miss that ball? Come on, get in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you're distracted. I feel like you're somewhere else. <laughs> and, 
And she storms off, does her thing, goes out. So on her way out, she's driving. A plumbing truck passes her. Then she stops her well, car. Uh, well, a plumbing hearse. That first car <laughs> is a hearse with the, the word plumbing on the side of it. Uh, passes her going up the other way on the driveway. She parks on the side of the road. Takes a moment. Another plumbing truck passes her. And this is when she realized that something is up. It's Chekhov's plumber. I love it so much. <laughs> like, this movie sets up this twist so, like, well. Like, I... Mm, chef's kiss. What's great, though, is that, like, this does uh, sort of support how good of a cop she was because she does not miss a beat. She sees the second plumber and she immediately knows that that first plumber is Nina and she is there to pop taps. And then she she commandeers, oh, the poor teenager who is driving the John's plumbing truck. Again, this joke, this plumber joke just hits on so many levels. She does pull the teenager, actual plumber, out of his plumber truck and he's dressed just like her. And he has long blonde hair. They are just, they nailed the joke home. She did look like the plumber. I do, I do ask the question, how would Nina have known that, that in advance that they needed a plumber? Like, is, does no, she have, no, 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 there's an actual reason. She has a woman on the inside, remember? Oh, right. Okay, right. Yeah. But so I will she say, called like, Nina to be like, yo, there's a plumber coming today because yeah. the cabana is wrecked. I, wait, <laughs> I choose to believe she's the one that wrecked, wrecked the cabana the- on purpose. <gasps> oh. She is. So that she, she could get fiendish. her in there. Literal. Oh, oh shit. Maria. It is a Caesar Romero era Joker scheme. Yes. He is yes. a Batman villain. It is. Uh. I have a person inside who's going to cl- clog the toilet. We are dressing as plumbers to infiltrate the facility. They drive up in a truck that says Joker's Plumbing. J O E. We didn't nail it home, but I feel like we should. So Nina is out to get uh, Lawton Hobbs. Lawton Hobbs has hired uh, or tries and then eventually does hire Christine McKay because specifically because he thinks she will most doggedly protect him from Nina, who killed her fiance. Yeah. And, and the reason she sworn revenge on him just to like. She murdered a man and he refused to pay for her lawyer. So she swore revenge. That's like. The whole, that's why he thinks she's coming to kill him. He doesn't realize that the plates have anything to do with this. Also, I love Lawton Hobbs, who is played by Daniel McVicker, who for like, I don't know, 20 years and 1,000 episodes was on The Bold and the Beautiful. Uh, Everything he says has like mustard on it that's great. He is smarming his way to the grave, uh, like from the get go. (laughs) He is a charming motherfucker. I think it's a hard character to sell, especially from uh, today's perspective. It's a hard character yeah. to sell, and he sells it. Like he does. I do, yeah. I I do get the sense that like he has lived this like chauvinistic playboy lifestyle, but he. But he's is... also like second wave chauvinist, where like he's not like our sexist cop, where he's just spouting the same old sexist things, like. His sexism comes with a tinge of, but I did read the feminine mystique, so I understand the struggles <laughs> right, of women. Right, yeah, exactly. He is totally the male feminist who does it to get laid. Like <laughs> he, he, and I took a minor uh, in women's studies at Yale. <laughs> right. I don't want to gloss over uh, the wonderful shot we get in the foyer of 
a metal sculpture of an angel with enormous breasts that's just sitting there in the hallway that Is will that come what? back. Yeah. I saw that it was an angel. I did not see the breasts. Oh, there oh, are oh, breasts. Yeah. They're oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the whole time I was just looking at it that I was like, they are lingering on this statue. I really was like, following all of these insane threads that this movie puts out and that's the only one that I didn't follow and that's the most obvious one both because it is an angel and the movie's called Guardian Angel <laughs> and again and they t- and they talk about like his brother was an artist like like all of this insane stuff and then like yeah. when it's revealed at the end that that's the it, within the the statue is where the plates have been hidden the whole time i was just like oh wow they have been passing me the ball all game and i did not shoot once yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but but yes even if you missed its plot importance you should have seen that that statue had some Big old hubcap titties. <laughs> some big old hubcap titties on it. This is when we meet sexist cop. No, he was lingering. Because remember, oh, we... he said maybe there'll oh, you're be right, less right. cops killed. But like... This is when we really get to know him. What do you have against this lady? Off the record? Yes. There's a war going on the streets, Catherine. Now, I don't mind a female sitting behind a desk pushing pencils, but um, I don't want one in the battlefield with me. Hey, it's the 90s. Women don't put that shit anymore. You know how uh, your boss is a woman and you tell her, I don't think women should be cops. That's... <laughs> but not you. You're one of the good ones. But yeah, you're like, all right. Because, like, <laughs> you do paperwork and it's fine. <laughs> and uh, Hobbs, like, just keeps having to defend his choice of hiring Mac- uh, McKay because she's a woman. Let me get this straight. You want a woman protecting you? I want somebody who's dedicated. I want somebody who has a personal stake in this. And I want somebody who can give me a massage once in a while. All men in this movie suck, and that rocks. <laughs> it is a perfect casting choice to cast a, a soap opera star as Hobbs, because every man in this movie, it's it's like they're in a soap opera, and everyone is just trying to fire, like, like oh, my brother's, my brother's dead. My parents died. I'm your brother. Like... <laughs> It's like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah, he's prepared for this role. The fact that he can deliver the line that his parents made their money from plastic, from Plastico Plastico Incorporated. Incorporated. (laughs) And Uh. say it with a straight face. Uh. You probably ate a peanut butter and jelly off one of my plates. (laughs) At the end of the scene, yeah, like so he's he lets he lets McKay he, she's staying at his house and, and they're talking in her now bedroom as she's unpacking and he's kind of giving her his life story. I love at the end he goes, Breakfast is tomorrow, nine o'clock. It's like breakfast is every day. You don't have to say tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow we skip breakfast. And then right. in the most Batman esque like exchange that happens, he's like trying to he's doing the old come on, smile, you're prettier when you're you smile and he goes, I'm I'm gonna hold my breath until you smile and that she does not give in he storms off and she has a conversation with alfred the butler which is actually clayton his name is clayton and she goes what's his problem why is he such a child mr hobbs mother died giving birth to him lawton's father died of a heart attack when he was 12. it's my speculation that his childhood was taken from him at far too young an age would you like some eggs and that's that's our bruce wayne and that's when I actually wrote, is he Nina's brother? Ooh. He and Nina both have parents that were killed, like, too young. 
uh, have a str- like sort of estranged siblings, or at least are alluded to. There's like a weird parallel where where he keeps talking about like how he made all his money with pl- from plastic plates, and then she is look she's looking for these oh my God. money plates and he's also oh. so smarmy he's such a douchebag that i was just like if he takes a heel turn i'm going to be stoked yeah <laughs> yeah so they're at a polo match and uh hobbs is getting uh sold a casino by a guy and then suddenly a sniper starts shooting at them <laughs> from across the polo field blows away their whole charcuterie table <laughs> right food gone i think it's the same one i think that they just they took the same thing and they were like okay we have it for one day and then we blow it up the next all all i could hear in my head was steve martin from the jerk screaming they hate these hams (laughs) yeah and then we have a fucking horse chase they managed to create a uh, like a legitimately great car chase entirely on horseback with guns. It takes a lot for me to like a car chase in a movie. Like I know they're technically exciting, but I, to for me to be emotionally invested, it takes a lot. Like I usually zone out during a car chase, literally chase each other on anything else. And I'm more invested horses. Number fucking one. Like I was so into this horse chase. It's amazing. I mean, her getting dragged behind the horse is legitimately, like, I feared for that stunt woman's life. Christine gets knocked off, and Hobbs comes to her, you know, comes to aid her. And in the midst, Nina gets shot in the thigh, and then we get a scene in the hotel with... uh, It's my favorite. It's my favorite because it's a motel that has a full kitchen. At first, I thought she was cooking drugs because I didn't have a sense of, of scale of what we were looking at. Or how she's paying for those helicopters, I guess. And then, and then she comes over, she grabs the um, the pot with boiling water, and then she pours out the water. And I was like, oh, she's ju- just making tea. I was like, this this seems too innocuous for the movie. And then she walks over to the bed and carterizes the wound with the hot pot like a fucking champ. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, She's the Terminator, and this is the greatest. Yes. Even though Nina has been just like a psychopath, the killer this whole movie, we are still in that scene emotionally with her. She is like, she is still like, her story is still a climb up a mountain. Tonally speaking, I feel like this this scene, she could have done that, immediately spiked the camera, and then just be like, what? And then cut out, and it, and it, like, it would have been the same thing. Before <laughs> we revealed that it was Nina in this motel, I thought the woman was McKay, and that, like, oh, Lawton and McKay had to go to this motel because Nina knows where they live, so why would they go back to the house? But no. No, yeah. they just go back to they the just house. They go back to the house. <laughs> Oh, and he gives her a drink, and, and, and I was like, do not do not drink anything that this man ever no. gives you without knowing. But, but Greg, a little sexism keeps women on their toes. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Oh. Now see, that's charming. A bit sexist. Oh, a little sexism keeps women on their toes. Typical male statement. Typical female reaction. During this whole scene where they're like, they're trying to do this sort of like witty interplay like sexists questioning dialogue i just i just wrote is this movie really attempting to like make this dude like truly likable and it worked i was i wasn't having it i don't know i was kind of convinced i'm on on team lawton nothing in the rest of this movie would make me think that they 
the filmmakers agree with a little bit of sexism keeps women on their toes unless <laughs> on their toes means doing kung fu <laughs> <laughs> in which case yes yeah maybe it does we're then treated to like a scene with lawton and his butler he's trying to get clayton to like open up about like what is his feelings about mckay and like oh do you like her better than this one and what was funny is that it felt like they were having this like little boys like treehouse club (laughs) that feels really reminiscent of scenes that we've seen in other movies where two women are talking about a man yeah great point and i was like there's like a funny little parallel here where they've just like kind of flipped it and they're just like the boys are like this girl she really is swell isn't she like i mean this movie fails whatever the mirror image of the bechdel (laughs) no no two men can talk without talking about a girl Uh, and then so clayton does like mckay more than any of his other girlfriends and then we get uh, also not his girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) it's not his girlfriend not even close Clayton, you are an enabler. You gotta yeah. shut this down. You are the father figure here, Clayton. Come on. <laughs> You're all he has. You're all he has. We find out the maid was hired by Nina when she lived there. Bum bum bum, yeah. and then uh, N- I and loved then, it. Uh, McKay just drop kicks the woman out the window. The coldest shit in the whole world. <laughs> I could not believe it. I had to rewind it because I was like, did I blink and miss Maria? like pull a gun or something or does mckay just like straight up kick this woman out of a three-story window yep but it is to be fair the same window mckay jumped out of earlier but maria does not have the same luck with landing that mckay did (laughs) she does not have the cat light reflexes i just wrote killer maid railing kill backwards leg (laughs) that's totally justified no longer a cop do you ever feel your life has fallen apart piece by piece Mine fell apart. I lost my mother, my father, my brother's gone. My brother was an artist. He made this for me. Called it the guardian angel. Yeah, we learned that he's not only lost his parents, but his brother as well, who made the statue. I wrote at that point, is Nina his brother? And I thought that that's where we were going. God, you were... (laughs) You were, on, you were really vibing with this. You were ready for this movie to take you anywhere, Greg. Yep. You thought we were going to have like a sleepaway camp ending? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yes. Because part of it is that this movie hinges so much on this discussion of gender politics that I was like, how fucking crazy is it going to be if this movie has like a gender swap reveal? They're, they're, they're hinging so much on this that I, I just won't be surprised if it's just like, you thought she was a woman, but she's a man. <laughs> I feel like we could just skip to the bar because the movie does too. They well, really make yeah, no yeah. explanation as to why she gets there. Or how, like how she knew to track down this guy. Yeah. Like McKay goes to confront Jake who is now known by the moniker Charcoal Dick. And Jimmy comes back. My sweet Jimmy's in that scene. (laughs) And he is getting roasted. I I mean, Jimmy is just roasting Charcoal Dick. Dragging him. You could roast marshmallows off his crotch. Didn't Uh. didn't she say uh, when when McKay is like, I'm looking for Nina, Nina Liddell, Jimmy says something like, Hey, didn't you two have a barbecue the other night? <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> he does. He says it's that. It's so casual. It's so beautiful. And it's so quippy. McKay ends up at the bar and, and she's 
She's interrogating Charcoal Dick. They're playing pool. She hits him in the nuts with the pool cue, and that starts a an all-out bar brawl <laughs> for no discernible reason, as I can tell, because nobody really likes Charcoal Dick. Yeah. And but all they she's immediately done is hit him in the arm. nuts. <laughs> everyone, everyone not only knows and is prepared with their various weapons to get then totally thrashed by Cynthia Rothrock. Just things are getting smashed. Charcoal Dick is then thrown out the the second plate glass window that is destroyed in the movie <laughs> only to reveal that it is daytime yep. which was which is the biggest <laughs> twist in my mind of this uh, of this like incredibly busy bar at four in the afternoon well with these with these counterfeit plates missing business crime business has like dried up these guys have nothing <laughs> whole town these guys are just, yeah i know they're just like it's like the dudes waiting outside of home depot waiting for a job <laughs> right they're right. just waiting why, for another crime boss to come along it's why they were so quick to pull their guns they, they're looking for anything <laughs> any any amount of henching they can do oh uh, i love the idea of the henchmen's union where they're just like did you pull a gun today uh i know did you try to pull a gun today yes you still qualify for gun employment <laughs> Charcoal Dick dimes out Hobbs, uh, or or says that like he's the he knows where the plates are. That's why Nina's after him because David is Hobbs's brother. Genuinely great twist. Genuinely yeah, very agreed. great twist. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I did not uh, see it coming. That I mean, I guess maybe I was just so the fact that Hobbs's brother had like made a sculpture. Maybe we could have. Uh, seen it coming but like i was yeah. just it's set up in the most brilliant way that it's yeah. like genuinely clever not only is david lawton's brother but he actually survived being shot by nina and is now in a mental facility a, se- a secret mental facility nobody knows he's still alive spoiler alert it's revealed by the last shot in the movie and implied by some of david's lines after that after we find out he's still alive that he has hidden the counterfeit bill plates in the statue he made for his brother. It's funny how, you know, he runs this criminal enterprise and it must really be a passion for him because like he's fine monetarily if he's David's brother. They inherited like, a fortune. He's got that Plastico Inc. money. Like he doesn't <laughs> need to be this person, but like, you know, do what you love. Yeah, and he well, loves he's making fake money, apparently. Fake money. <laughs> David is the catwoman. David is yeah. the Selena oh. Kyle of this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't need to do crime, just is great at it and loves it. And also is, you know, in, a, in alliance with the Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is Will isn't evil, is just uh, in love with what they do. Or maybe the maybe the Nightwing. I don't know. You know maybe the maybe the Red Hood. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> After the scene with with David, they end up back at Hobbs's mansion, and it's inexplicably nighttime. And a lot has happened seemingly <laughs> because all of the police are there. Clayton Clayton has been uh, sort of uh, ritually sacrificed. Seemingly, <laughs> the only two police officers in the LAPD homicide are there, which is Keith Richards. And uh, the and Nick the di- and, and Nick the Dick Nick the Dick and and of course like because this is the sort of requisite end of Act Two break not only is Clayton dead but then Hobbs is also going to fire 
McKay for no explicable reason. Except that he doesn't want her to get killed. He yeah, has sure. a reason. But He's how protecting is... her. Yeah, but how, how does he how does he think that Nina, who has been indiscriminately <laughs> finding and killing people the whole movie, how he's not how she's not going to somehow fairly easily find the large Winnebago filled with a woman and a small dog. Listen, Greg, she has an ass worth saving twice and he has to let it go. He, it's nice. That is a, that is a great line. Not a, not a great line, but a great, great line. line. Uh, she, uh, no, but uh, again, he's, he's lost his Alfred and like in the Batman mythology, Stop it. A loss like that <laughs> makes Bruce Wayne want to give up the Batman. I, I do love that there's like a two-shot sadness montage that follows. Yes! <laughs> if only they were drinking together. <laughs> They're both drinking alone separately. With the like squealing trumpet. Of, <laughs> My dream, because yeah, it's like there's sad booze montage where we see Christine drinking alone, a little, a little whiskey. We see Hobbs pour from his like crystal carafe, himself some whiskey. I wanted so badly for it just to cover all the characters left in the movie. <laughs> that, like, we see the Nina... drinking from the... <laughs> yes. Nina's yeah, exactly. drinking alone. David's drinking alone. Yeah, we see Charcoal Dick take a swig of beer, then, like, put it on his crotch and go, like, ooh, it, like, cools off. <laughs> We see, we see uh, David in the hospital, like with a juice box. Like, <laughs> that's all I wanted so bad. While fucking Amy Mann plays, like it's the end of Magnolia. Or something. In keeping with this movie's like editing style, it's like one shot crossfade to the second shot, and then immediately it's like we've smash cut it out of the montage into now a regular conversation between Hobbs and Nick the Dick. Where Nick is, you know, continuously on his campaign trail to excise women from <laughs> like world. from society. Any, any job, any job. And this is where we we see that Nick is now the bodyguard to Hobbs. There's an interaction where are they yeah, gonna kiss? Yeah, well, oh. yeah. Where Nick says something awful about Christine. Why would you want a female bodyguard? Where's your pride? And then Lawton says, "Are you a sexist asshole?" Because you can't get laid or because you're secretly attracted to men. And that's like a moment where it's like the movie, like, uh, or the Hobbs character specifically loses the sexism, gains homophobia. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's not a great look. No. Like, you just, mm. you, you just leveled up in the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> right. He got a plus one to homophobia. Right. Yeah. So close. So close to a redemption line. Right. Yeah, are you just? Was... Are you a sexist? Are you a sexist asshole because you can't get laid? Ooh, nice Hobbs, or because you're actually gay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christine goes back to David, and it's like David's like a little catatonic. Totally thought he was dead. I totally thought he was dead. A hundred percent thought he was dead, and I was like, and I was like, you are talking to a dead man. You have not. You have not even bothered to try to <laughs> confirm his being alive and then he was alive and that was the biggest twist to me i was like he's still alive he hasn't he hasn't breathed in four minutes <laughs> right because it, the first scene we see him again he is definitely like moving a pace slower than in the earlier scenes but he's not like uh catatonic he's not cataplectic and you know, when she goes back to him he's like he is a corpse on the bed <laughs> and she's just being like why won't you help me <laughs> help me please well when he finally speaks he says to her like 
are you an angel? I've always trusted in angels. And then she has a face of recognition. And the camera cuts to the angel statue. And I felt like I put it together. We see Christine run to her car and call someone on her car phone. And I thought what she was doing was calling Hobbs to be like, the plates, they're in the statue. The, no. He hid the plates in the statue. No, she was calling her friend, uh, police captain stevie nicks to be like bring your speedboat <laughs> we gotta do a boat chase. oh no she I'm doesn't sure need to bring it. it they already have two well because he says i've always believed in angels but what tips her off is like he already he I, says I, I already have a police officer helping me yes i already have a police officer helping me and so she's clicking that oh my god he's a dirty cop she did oh. not process the angel yeah. whatsoever casey <laughs> Boom, Nina lands a fucking helicopter on Hobbs' lawn. What is her helicopter budget? So Christine gets to the house before Nina can kill Hobbs. And then we get the best chase scene the best in everything. film history. The best everything. About this the best everything. The best uh, fight choreography of the movie is uh, yeah. Cynthia Rock Rock versus Nick the Dick. Their that fight is, is fan- awesome. Fantastic. You hit like a girl, McKay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. beautiful. So yeah. good. Dove, Dove wishes. <laughs> he gets the most hits on her. They have a great fight. Uh, Nina, in the meantime, like as they're fighting, what she just runs. Which she, is yeah, she, runs she runs into the ocean, which I loved and was baffled by, and then comes out of the water on a jet ski, which she takes to a Boat. Which is not much further than the jet ski. She could have just swam honest. to the boat, but then she takes the motorboat into the ocean, and then the McKay finishes off uh, Nick, and her and the captain follow suit in the cigarette lady, <laughs> a uh. much nicer speedboat that Nina probably should have taken. But then Hobbs takes Nick's gun and runs over to the helicopter that Nina had taken there, which she has now totally abandoned. <laughs> pulls, the gun, <laughs> pulls the gun on the pilot and says, follow the boat chase. The, the two boats are following each other. Then the helicopter joins in. And at this point, I am just... I am rock in hard. heaven. Rock hard, baby. <laughs> I am oh. rock hard. Roth rock hard. <laughs> Roth rock. And then McKay jumps onto Nina's boat. I'm unsure what happens here. They just sort of wrestle for a second. And, and then the boat it just, is increasing in speed. Uh, yeah, and then like, I don't know, they break the lever or something. And then Hobbs lowers down a rope. McKay grabs the rope right before it hits the shore and explodes. As it should. As all vehicles should. It's so great. My only complaint, like, really in the whole movie is it is, though plot-wise, an awesome end to Nina. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, coverage-wise of her, a pretty ignominious end. McKay, like, knocks her in the back of the head unconscious, and she is unconscious the whole time until the boat drives into the cliff and blows up. (laughs) Like, like, it would have been great to at least get, like like a George Miller like bug eye face like, oh, to yes. get like to get like some sort of re- like Nina's face realizing like she's about to die or something or like how that. Like great that. would it be if she clawed her way out of the flames <laughs> yes. and so now good. is two faced <gasps> uh, yes! oh my god <laughs> 
sick. That would have been sick. We do the 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 big crash and the big explosion. Again, hard cut to in the middle of the conversation between McKay and the police chief. And the police chief, as if they know that the movie is wrapping up and they need to get as much information out as quickly as possible. Like, it's the end of a pharmaceutical ad where, where they're like, she's just like, McKay, I expect you to have a full report on my desk by tomorrow morning. She's like, I'm going to be a police officer again. She's like, okay, I already know that. Bye. Like, like yep, just back of the force like that. Then we're left, we'll, we leave Hobbs and Christine alone. So, I guess I'm out of bodyguard. I guess so. What if I need protection? Don't you carry that in your wallet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for special occasions. Oh. <laughs> you want to join me for a special occasion? And then they had We Almost Died sex. Yeah, and then we the camera zooms in. On the plates, hidden inside of the guardian angel statue not too deep i'm gonna be honest they're right like, they're there right there yeah they're right by the face too yeah. so it, that is that's why david as the sculptor had to put big tits on the statue <laughs> so you didn't look at its face and see <laughs> his contraband clearly there god damn it it was great it's it was so such good. a great movie the following ripoff report card is brought to you by my new film, Bullet Belts and Feathered Bangs, How Cynthia Rothrock Scorpion Kicked Her Way Through Hollywood, a Rothrockumentary. Title Bangs. <laughs> <laughs> What's nice about a movie like Guardian Angel is that it honestly feels like a family affair. Whether or not everyone knows each other seems like a tough call, but the fact that almost everyone on screen and off sport a list of credits longer than your average CVS receipt kind of backs the idea that they probably all are at least friendly. The star Cynthia Rothrock started as a five-year world champion in women's form martial arts, undefeated for five years. Her first feature, 1985's Yes Madam, uh, with Michelle Yeoh, became an instant hit, and when she retired from competing, her tenure in Hong Kong action movies began. While there, she worked with Golden Harvest, the company responsible for the entire Bruce Lee catalog, as well as many of the Hong Kong Jackie Chan projects and tons more it man so many movies uh making a string of successful films like writing wrongs and the inspector wears skirts because there's no world america or hong kong where a woman could just be an action star she worked with jackie chan sammo hung and her future co-star richard norton she finished up uh, her golden harvest contract with the film she's most known for today china o'brien with co-star Richard Norton, directed by Jim Cotta director Robert Klaus. From then on, she became the undisputed queen of American martial arts films. With 62 credits to date, she racked up 40 credits from 1985 to 2000 alone, mostly in starring roles in such classics as Fast Getaway with Corey Haim and its sequel, uh, Martial Law with Chad McQueen and David Carradine and its sequel, Lady Dragon and its sequel, and Undefeatable. After a brief stint of non-film-related activity to raise a family, she started to come back with movies like The Martial Arts Kid with Don the Dragon Wilson and the all-female Expendables knockoff Mercenaries, which also stars Vivica A. Fox, Zoe Bell, and Brigitte Nielsen. Zoe Bell?! How did I not? How did I, I not know, about, know this? about this? I movie. need this movie. I need to watch it. 
And while there have been others, Ms. Rothrock remains truly undefeatable. Oh, my God. Now, there are three names that must be talked about in tandem here. Joseph Mary, Richard Pepin, and Richard Munchkin, the two producers and the director of Garden Angel. Joseph Mary is a Syrian immigrant who came to America unable to speak English, moving to Las Vegas and ended up operating a pizza joint. There he met uh, Munchkin and they both dreamed of making movies. So they cobbled together some ahem, dough, (laughs) moved to LA and made a movie together, hiring Pepin as the camera operator. In 1986, Mary and Pepin started City Lights with a third partner, a small production company and distributor that made films with titles such as Dance or Die, which Munchkin directed, L.A. Crackdown, and The Newly Deads. After the partner pulled out, Mary and Pepin started PM Entertainment. Get it? Uh, An action-oriented production and distribution company that, from 1989 to 1999, made and distributed over 100 movies and TV shows. Their motto was, and I shit you not, every seven minutes, there must be a fight, a shootout, or a chase sequence. If you see a glass window, someone was going to go through it. If there is a car in the movie, at least one of them is going to roll over and blow up. PM was responsible for hard hitters like Ring of Fire, Firepower, Cyber Tracker, Rage, Riot, LA Heat, and so many movies with the word die. While they didn't see the respect of Hollywood while they were making these low-budget epics, great artists are often far ahead of their time. So thank you, PM. Hell yeah. And to think, Marion Pepin had this amazing career and at the same time helped their friends Sam and Frodo bring the ring to Mount Doom. Thank you. Like the movie, we did smooth bass to begin the ripoff report card, and now some greasy jazz, baby. Ripoff report card. Our hero's gonna fuck at the end of the movie report card. Alright, class, that was. Why can't I remember the name of the movie? Come on, Casey. Guardian Age. <laughs> get, get it together, Back. baby. Get it Beyond together. Justice. Beyond Justice. Wait, wait, hold on. Just get another bump. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, all right. Class. All right, class. That was Guardian Angel. As always, what from this movie might end up on the final exam? Hey, it's the 90s. What do women not have to put up with anymore? The answer, that shit. Hell yeah. I learned that anything can be a chase scene if you put your mind to it. I think I learned that uh, being a henchman is a thankless job. So you just got to laugh your way through it. You got to have a good time wherever you can. I feel like if we've learned anything, it's that cops need to get married in secret. (laughs) No one should know that you're engaged. You should have no guests. As a matter of fact, you might as well get married in separate bulletproof rooms and go to a honeymoon somewhere with a strong extradition treaty. <laughs> well, that's been this week's lecture on 1994's Guardian Angel. 
Thanks so much for listening. Now, roundhouse kicks and karate chops are in order for our wonderful team, including Mr. Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Ms. Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our awesome theme song, Mr. Justin Ferraro of Low Boy and the Rizzos for our background music, special thanks to Noel Malakar for the choir music, the wonderful Ms. Ann Shear for our explosive logo, and of course, our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe, for always teaching us the facts of life. Next period, we will cover 1994's kooky cryptid, Bigfoot, the Unforgettable Encounter, kind of starring home improvement Zachary Ty Bryant and definitely starring Sasquatch's big fucking ass. So be sure to listen to Video High on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, including the Up In Your Ear Podcast Network. Now, a note to the class. All of the movies that we watch are currently streaming on YouTube, so get watching. And remember, don't ever trust the Salisbury steak. See you next period. I suddenly became Marvin the Martian. I was writing down like, where's the earth shattering kaboom? And then the car does explode. And I was, uh, thank you, movie. <laughs> I should have never doubted you. Up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast Network.